2: Second time it's
1: done. Oh, never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those those That's yeah. They have asked for that, really. Now oh, you can laugh. i the walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What well, you know that, I'd like you to stay alive i right, i okay, you man.
0: <laughs> I'd like to start this show by sending a small message to the World Cup.
3: Okay. Uh, how are you gonna address that message? FIFA World Cup Brazil, South America. Re- uh, return sender on McDevitt. Care,
0: care of Sepp Ladder.
3: Okay. Get
0: well soon, big guy. Hang on in there. You're you're bleeding. You're sore. You're sick. You're completely bedraggled. You've delivered a bunch of crappy games for us over the last week, but we still love you. Mm. You were so good to us for the first couple of weeks that there's still a feel good element about this about this thing. And we can rescue. All we need is one good semi final. Nobody's expecting to one good semi final.
3: Obviously, the idea of a good World Cup final... Forget about that. Wait, that's so obviously that, you see, that really,
0: that, That's all the tournament will be remembered for if it yeah. does happen regardless. <laughs> so you can do whatever you want for all the other games yeah, if you've got true. a spectacular World Cup final. But it's just starting to oh, fray around the edges of this World Cup. Neymar gone, of course. Well. Mm,
3: I'm going to say that if I was competing in the Olympic marathon final, right? Mm-hmm. That if I was going to run a really bad mile or so... Where, you know, my my, my form, my technique was just out the window, just terrible would be the mile just before I, I enter the Olympic Stadium to the acclaim of the 80,000 people who are there to watch the ending of the of the race. Yeah. So I'm going to say that this World Cup is at that stage. So that once you get inside the stadium and you have to run the one lap, it's one lap, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's just yeah, one well,
0: yeah. Actually, in London, they didn't even have that. They decided they wanted to run around the more salubrious areas of London, so they didn't bring it around towards the Olympic Stadium, which Good was enough. yeah, I pretty disgraceful, that. actually. But know, yeah, everything about that world that oh, they the they Olympics think... was so glossy that nobody really batted an eyelid. Yeah,
3: definitely. sorry, you were just
0: using an analogy, Murphy. Well,
3: mean. okay, well, you know, for all of the previous <laughs> Olympiads <laughs> until the one uh, just two years ago, uh, then I think you know, I, I think that that's that's the stage that we're in. So once we get inside that Olympic Stadium. Yeah. I'll have run 25 miles. This World Cup will have run 25 miles. But, you know, it's still <laughs> going to be able to, just, you, you, the technique, the form will return for that last triumphal lap. So we're into the final lap now and we can only hope that, my metaphor didn't really work, did no, I it? No, it does That's work. A, but I, awesome. I, I know what
0: you're striving for here, Murph. Yeah? A gift to the shifter turn a of, turn of foot at the end. Yeah, exactly. That's if we could have that,
3: if we could have a yift to the shifter finish mm. to this World Cup that I think we'd we'd all be Pretty happy with our Let's get over
0: to Ken Early and Rio. Yeah, you can laugh. I was the World Cup. <laughs> Ken Early, you're a man on the ground there. You don't mind delivering that message to the FIFA bigwigs if you see them at any stage?
2: Yeah, well, actually, I haven't seen them. I don't know where they are, FIFA. I haven't. I, I would expect you to see a lot more glorification of themselves, but it's almost as though they realise how incredibly unpopular they are, and they're trying to stay out of the uh, stay out of the public view. Oh no! Uh, actually, you can go. You could go to the FIFA daily media briefing if you wanted.
0: Well, that's probably where um, they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's probably where they are if you really wanted to see them.
2: Yeah, I mean, they they don't even really tend to turn up at that themselves. It's just sort of they they get some. Um, they get various people to, to come along and talk about some incredibly boring subjects. I mean, I don't know why anyone would really go to the future daily media briefing uh, unless they were really stuck for something to write about for the next day. But uh, maybe, that'll, maybe that'll start to happen this week, actually, because there's no, not really that many, too many games on. Um, I mean, too many games left, but um, yeah, I will. I, I promise that if I do see Seth Platter and I'm sure he'll be in Bella Horizonte at this semi-final tomorrow, I will pass him pass on your message Fire,
3: fire a rocket under that uh, platter <laughs> is basically what we're trying to say here,
0: Ken. I'm sure the void, Ken, has, in the last 48 hours or so has been filled by Neymar talk. I read last night that the rumours that he was going to come back seem to have been shot down at this stage. I don't think he's in a position to play in this for the rest of this tournament anyway.
2: Well, who knows? <sighs> you know? I mean, it's it's, it's sort of it's so crazy that maybe that, that might... I mean, I'm just a bit worried that there might be something like... Um, you know that story, the monkeys, Paul? They might try something like that to get Neymar on that field. I mean, his dad was putting stuff on Instagram. So his dad seemed to be kind of feeding this. Obviously, Neymar, Neymar Jr.'s da- dad, Neymar Sr., um, the, the top earner in world football last year. Uh, <laughs> 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 nearly 50 million euros worth of income uh, from Barcelona. Uh, was actually mentioned in connection with this whole ticket, uh, the, this, t- the, this uh, black market ticket thing that's going on. at the moment. <laughs> You know, some of the names, some of the tickets turning up with like, you know, we're, were Neymar, were <laughs> senior's dad's tickets. And really, you'd have to, you'd have to hope that those uh, stories turn out to be unfounded. Uh, surely, having pocketed nearly fifty million euros, he doesn't also need to sell of tickets to the rug up in the black market
0: no I'm, uh, uh, i, I uh, we're just talking speculation at the moment that, that he's been linked to this i'm sure
2: yeah and um, yeah i'm sure he, he wouldn't be the type of man to uh, to try and make a few extra euros just by um you know by by engaging in some dirty dealings like that and um, he was putting stuff on instagram about um you know uh, about the, the situation Neymar was in, and basically the, it, the speculation kind of come from came from his message where he said something like, um, "If Neymar will have clinical conditions to enjoy a game of professional football before the time originally planned, then you know, of course, uh, basically the treatment for for his injury, which is you know broken vertebrae, is absolute rest, um, but." The suggestion was that, well, given that he seems to be, you know, it's not that serious an injury, it'll take a while to kind of properly heal. but what if we could you know, just give him a painkilling injection? Because the main problem is just that he's in a lot of pain. So a painkilling injection, then, you know, he can ignore that and he can have the, uh, you know, he can move around. Uh, he, he'll have sort of movement. There's no reason necessarily why he couldn't play. seems to be the insane thinking of, uh, of those who are suggesting that he could get out there. Now, Neymar is a good player, but... Is he really a better player with a broken back than William in the in the you know full the whole of his health? I don't think so. I think that would be completely crazy, um, and it would be obviously incredibly risky. And okay, so the Brazilian doctors have said no, we're not going to do that. But you know, you just there's something. You, I believe it when I see it. You know what I mean? They, just because they say this is definitely not going to happen doesn't mean that they wouldn't necessarily try it. Because the thing is that. The player himself would be the one pushing it. You know what I mean? He might be the one saying, "Yeah, do it. I'll be, I'll be fine." Or maybe his, maybe his father. You know, you're not going to get to play in another World Cup final in Brazil. Everybody knows that, isn't there? There's not going to be another one. Maybe during his lifetime, certainly not one that he's ever going to be able to play in. So, if there was a way to do it, then I think they would try to do it. I just don't think there really is going to be a way.
3: Is there? Are, are there football men in Brazil saying that? Ah, yeah. Well, you can play through. A broken vertebra. It's, just, it's one of those. It's one of those annoying injuries you can just play through.
2: <laughs> who, who? There isn't a footballer alive who hasn't played through a broken vertebra at some stage. Um, it's now, just part of the job. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I, have, I haven't. I haven't heard anyone actually suggest that until last night when these kind of crazy stories started started going through. So maybe people will will start of come forward and say that. But, I mean, it's just amazing what happened over the weekend. You know, it was like this. Um, you know, like Kim Jong-il died. You know, you saw the South Korean, or the North Korean television, rather, and everyone was sort of weeping and, and, and like, like over, overwhelmed with grief. That was what it was like on Brazilian TV. You know, it was it was a real, one of these sort of Princess Diana-type moments, um, and nobody could get their heads around this idea because, I mean, it is it is remarkable the extent to which everything about the Brazil team is focused on Neymar, who is by far the most charismatic player in the team and probably, you know, probably the best footballer uh, that Brazil has, but by far the, the, the given that like um, the whole sort of appearance of the team in public is, is mediated by its deals with various corporations um, You know the sponsors and so on it's got like a billion sponsors And so Neymar is obviously the guy who the sponsors always want in every ad so every single ad and all the sort of official public appearances, he's always the one there. Um, you know, it's never like Fernandinho. You know, let's hear what let's let's hear what Fernandinho has to say. <laughs> like William, you know, no, they, these guys just don't figure. So it is as though the the one kind of player in the team is is gone. You know, I mean, there's like there's actual the corporations, you know, taking out ads like just to sort of. Wish Neymar a recovery, you know, just to sort of associate themselves with wishing Neymar uh, the best. You know, I've I've never really seen anything like it. So, uh, I mean, I was looking at this. um, uh, It was uh, it was during the matches. It was in between the two quarterfinals on Saturday, and there was some awful uh, show. um, And they were kind of they were all talking about, and everyone's getting really angry about like the. You know, people in the audience were standing up and, and, like, complaining. It was, like, Trisha or something like that. But, I mean, imagine people in the audience were kind of standing up and, like, saying, oh, that Zuniga should be, you know, um, put in prison or whatever. Mm. And uh, and then then they're like, oh, we have this video message from Neymar. And then, like, they showed his message. You, know, I've, you might have seen it yourself. I'm not sure. And, like, he's there and he's, his eyes are all kind of red and they're all swollen because he's obviously been crying but he's still like he's just talking oh you know brazil they've taken the world cup away from me but you know they haven't taken it away from from us you know we're gonna we're still gonna go and do it and everyone is just you know and, and he talks for ages i don't know if this thing is scripted by the way i think he may actually just be able to he's just actually completely natural speaking to uh, TV cameras but he's the like, world's he, most he, confident
0: man in that way in the way that he carries himself and it's been striking in the tournament how okay uh, the emotional pitch that they're at during the games is obviously totally nuts but even arriving into the dressing room anytime you see Neymar around the place he's world's most relaxed character in front of a million cameras he's like one of these I don't know just a, a superstar who's grown up in front of cameras so they maybe they don't even impact on the way he speaks
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like a completely natural thing for the unnatural state for him would not to would be not to be on television. You know, that's the that might start freaking him out. You know, if 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 he wasn't on television for a prolonged period of time, he might start developing feelings of alienation uh, and, and not be able to make sense of his world. But as long as he's on TV, he, he kind of feels like he, he's he's at home and comfortable. And he was uh, and anyway, they so he does this message and he's so slick. Um, they come back to the studio and everyone is there like weeping. You know, people are literally like they're crying and then everyone's everyone's kind of silent but then the host sort of raises his hand and everyone starts to applaud and then it kind of comes back to the host and he's being like incredibly serious like addressing to the camera, you know, we, we've all, like like as that was the worst thing that had ever happened in the history of the country. That's like, that's the sort of, the, the level at which they seem to be taking it. Now I don't know, maybe there's, maybe they kind of, Maybe this is going to help in a way because it's sort of an out for Brazil. You know, there's so much pressure on them, and the, the only thing that they care about is is winning. It's like nothing else matters. But now that uh, the, you know their their beautiful boy has been taken away from them, um, they're actually the, they're kind of going into this game against Germany, and they're not the favourites really, or they won't be thinking of themselves as the favourites. So they've got to try and do whatever it takes against Germany, and nobody really fancies him to do it. I mean, I saw the most amazing quote from Big Phil the other day. Yeah. It was incredible. It was like, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he was sort of giving this real defiant, oh, you know, yes, yeah, sure, once again, you know, we've been stitched up by FIFA. <laughs> yeah, this sort of, uh, you know, our, our boy has been taken away. But, you know, we've come through this before. Ten days ago, nobody believed we'd get out of the group, and we did. Uh, then nobody believed we'd get through the group uh, through the round of 16 but we did and we're here and nobody believed we'd get through the quarterfinal but now we're in the semifinal and all this kind of, you're like what are you talking about Philip? absolutely everybody believed you'd get out of the group i don't know if there's anybody in the world who didn't think the brazil were going to get out of the group <laughs> what are you talking about but this is I was. this is the way that he's uh you know he maybe he, he reckons they need to feel this sort of adversity to really uh Um, you know, to to give their best uh, performances.
0: Yeah, uh, Yogi Love has been ramping up a little bit ahead of the game. He says they're playing more robustly than any other team here about Brazil. There's little left of this traditional Brazilian style of football. At the end of the day, it's up to the referee to come up with the correct punishment. I don't know, maybe a, a subtle attempt to make sure this referee is a little less lenient than some of the refs have been so far in this tournament. Is that the line that you're taking on this as well, Ken, that Brazil only have themselves to blame for Neymar's injury. Not that Love has uh, actually said that as such, but that's what a lot of people are saying, that, um, well, you started at Brazil.
2: Yeah, they did start it. They absolutely did. And, you know, they went out there and, and beat up um, Cuadrado and they beat up uh, James Rodriguez. And, you know, okay, so Colombia decided to... Uh, Colombia decided to give them, give them a little bit back. I mean, Zuniga himself... Um, actually, was fouled five times in the, in the match. He committed a few uh, fouls, and in fact, um, he actually fouled Hulk uh, with his knee um, in the first half before the, before the whole thing went over. But yeah, I, I do think so. I mean, they they were the ones who, who took the game to that sort of place, and obviously, there's this um, FIFA have have sat down with the referees and said, "Listen, we're seeing too many yellow cards. We want to see a bit of flow." let's see the game, you know, there's no need to be blowing things up every, uh, every couple of seconds. Um, and, the, and I think the referees have, have kind of followed through on that. So while there were 54,000 in that game, which is the mer- most of any game in the World Cup, and 31 of those were by uh, Brazil, there were very few cards. Um, now I have seen, there is a, there is a piece uh, written by a guy called Bobby McMahon on Forbes where he said, hang on a second, I don't understand why everyone was going on about this game why it was so violent, uh, and essentially he said, I went back and, and looked, at, looked through, the, through the game and wrote down an analysis of every foul, and I actually don't think that there were. Um, I really don't think that there should have been that many yellow cards uh, in terms of, you know, uh, first of all, did Brazil really do it? Well, hang on, Brazil only managed to pass out Colombia in terms of the number of fouls they committed um, at half time. You know, were there that many things that deserved yellow cards? Well, I, don't, I don't actually think there were, but in fact, yes, there were. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe the guy was went back and looked at the match, but had an idea of what he wanted to see. I mean, these things are, are a little bit subjective, <clears throat> but that's what—that's the reality of it. That's what Brazil tried to do. I mean, even if you saw uh, when Colombia got a free kick at one point just outside the box, and when they when they actually struck that free kick, the Brazilian players were practically on top of the ball. You know, they just ran out. There was no. It was clear that they were going to push things right to the to the limit you know it wasn't going to be oh that's you know queensbury rules here you know let's the and may the best team win that wasn't it they were going to put pressure on Colombia every way that they could um i mean scolari had said before the match wasn't it great you know it's great to play against Colombia. i mean it's not like when we play against argentina or uruguay our matches against those countries are always a war but against Colombia, it's never a war we know Colombia are nice guys, and and really what he was saying was this is going to be a war, and Colombia are going to get killed. That was, uh, and they know that, and that's what we're going to do to them. And I think that is, uh, yeah, that it, that is what happened. I mean, it's unfortunate that the, the Zuniga challenge on Neymar is only. It's 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 a freakish kind of a collision in a way because Neymar actually is bracing himself; he's kind of stopping, probably trying to win a free kick. Um, Because he knows this guy's going to clatter through the back of him. But usually he just gets knocked to the ground and gets back up. On this occasion, his knee, just at the angle that Neymar's back was, the knee just kind of crunches into the bottom of the spine. And unfortunately, you've broken your spine there. That's... uh, uh, it's kind of a one in 200 collisions type of injury there, but I suppose this was the day. But, you know, Brazil were the ones who took it to that kind of a pitch. It could easily have been James Rodriguez who stretched it off the field and it ended up being Neymar. And that's just the cost of of, uh, of that approach to the game. Sometimes it's going to be your own guys who, who become the casualties.
0: We'll come back to Neymar, but I do want to ask you about Germany, because this was a game that you attended on Friday night, Germany. Against France, not exactly a quarter-final for the ages, really. Uh, uh, it was kind of frustrating because I thought France, uh, at stages, threatened to be really good. But then it turned out they just they had no bite. What, were you impressed at all by Germany?
2: Um, well, not really. But in a way, yes. Because the, the quality that Germany showed was the old one that they used to have of not playing very well and still winning. And this was always the thing. This was kind of one of the reasons why... They were the unpopular team because everyone would go, oh, Germany, not again. They haven't played well all tournament, and they would get to the final every time. Um, but this was the way that they used to do it. It wasn't by pulverizing teams on the way. It was by being a little tiny bit better at one point in the game and then doing enough, doing enough to contain the opposition. That's what they did. I mean, you, know, you could say that at least Germany have shown themselves to be a little bit flexible. You know, they can play against different types of teams and they can find still find a way to be a little bit better. I mean, the, they weren't great against France, but they only needed to, they scored after eight minutes. You score after eight minutes, then it's, then it's France's job to score. It wasn't Germany, didn't need to score anymore. They didn't care about whether, you know, the people in Mark and I were, were going to enjoy the game. In this case, well, can France score? And France probably should have. I mean, Benzema had enough chances. Um, you know, Benzema had one of those games, he's a, he's a little bit inconsistent. You know what I mean? He's not, you can't always rely on him. I mean, he's a great footballer, but he wouldn't necessarily be the greatest finisher. And he just had one of those games, I mean, four chances in the first half, a great chance towards the end, when in fairness, it was a terrific um, block by Matt Hummels that that denied him in the end. Uh, there was a save by Manuel Neuer as well from another, another Benzema chance. So... Yeah, things didn't go his way. I mean, the the big thing before the match was this whole uh, Philip Lam thing because that's that seems to be, because there have been so few things for the German media, which is quite a sizable media contingent, because there haven't been too many things for them to talk about. They've kind of been cruising to this point. They've got through, um, uh, they've got through other games so far. They've done enough. Uh, they they've only failed to to win that one match against Ghana. There hasn't been too much really to complain about. Which is obviously the thing that creates the most um, copy, um, apart from this lamb thing. And so everyone's looking at it going, "Why is Lamb not playing fullback when we don't really have any fullbacks? But we've got all these midfielders." And and that was that was the issue. Now, the, on the the Thursday before the match, Love was saying, um, "I've made my decision." Uh, he said, <laughs> "He said uh, you'll find out tomorrow where he's playing. Oh, I think you'll I think you'll see soon enough where he plays." And. I mean, the whole place—the the Germans all started laughing at this, like it was a really funny joke. I, mean, I couldn't understand it at all. It's like <laughs> that's, that's actually just not funny. Um, like he's saying, you'll find out tomorrow. Isn't it? Is, it, is it? Was there something funny about the way he said it? I couldn't understand it. The Germans thought it was funny, um, and in the end, they all thought that he would—he he would stick with him in central midfield. But he did go for uh, right back. So in a way, you could say, well, he was—he appears there to be pandering a little bit to his. Um, his critics he said okay well you know I'll give you what you want I have to say that I would have been one of those who said I think that's where he should play right back you know it makes sense when you look at the other players in the squad I wouldn't be surprised at all if he put him straight back into central midfield for the next match because the guys who did play there particularly Bastian Schweinsteiger just were not really up to the pitch of it at all um, Schweinsteiger kept giving the ball away he was he was France's best player and um, you know, I don't know if they can necessarily risk that against Brazil. I mean, the the thing about France was they just never quite got going. Maybe the goal was a little bit early for them. Maybe it was a bit of a shock to them. the The only way that they managed to create chances was actually chipping the ball into the space that Philip Lam had left behind him, a right back, and they managed to create a few chances that way. But you know, there wasn't um, there wasn't any real intensity about France. I take your point, like, point about Schweinsteiger. To, to, yeah, to hold them back.
0: I take your point about Schweinsteiger, but I just thought that. Shape of the team generally, and I mean that this game is a few few days ago now. But just in terms of looking ahead to how they might line line up tomorrow night, I just thought with Kadira and Schweinsteiger where they were. Lamb back. Lamb f- Lamb's so good at attacking that it almost makes him a good defender it's, it's as though the, the opposition have to worry about him so much and then the big thing was dropping Mertesacker and having a reasonable bit of pace in central defence which meant that you didn't have to have Neuer acting like a total lunatic which was bound to result in a goal at some point I mean he couldn't have continued to play as he had played in the second round and them expect that not to rebound on them so I thought even though there were a couple of performances that weren't great they got something closer to the shape they might use or the personnel they might use in those positions against Brazil
2: yeah, I mean, that, that is true. I, I would be a little bit worried because it, it's, it's not just the fact that I think Lamb, is, is put, <clears throat> Lamb at the moment is actually better in central midfield than, than Schweinsteiger, who, who appears to be out of form. Or the fact that he's a better attacking fullback than whoever else they have. And it would be Boateng and they would have to put Mertesacker in. But the fact that he actually was their main defensive liability in the match as well the the fact that he would he would often be caught up the field and it's something that Brazil would definitely try to exploit. It is an interesting point that you make about Neuer though. And I think that shows that that shows Germany's flexibility. They're a team that has more than one way to play and they don't have to they don't have to just keep repeating the same thing. So that high line that that they were using against Algeria was completely gone in this game. There was none of that. Yeah. None of this Neuer uh, running around, you know, my, my um, crystal ball turned out to be hopelessly ill-founded um, <clears throat> because Germany just aren't quite as predictable as maybe people would like them to be. They're not going to play into the opposition's hands um, like that. So if you're Joachim Love, you're thinking, well, what plays into their hands here? If we go with Philippe Lam, does that maybe play into their hands a little bit? Does that give them a little bit of space um, on the left side that they can, they can maybe use? Does that, is that an invitation to, you know, Marcelo to try and do us a little bit of damage? What do Brazil not want us to do? Let's try and think of that and do that. You know, I think that if Lyon is playing in midfield, maybe Germany have a better chance of of controlling the match. Uh, and that's certainly not what Brazil want to see. I mean, if Germany have the ball, then Brazil is going to have to be fouling them all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, while Brazil would go about that with a certain amount of relish, uh, you know, I don't know. It's It's... It's a difficult It's a difficult one. I mean, the, the, big thing, the big question Germany have going to have to answer, this is a different kind of test. France never, ca- <clears throat> never came at them in the kind of, with the kind of madness and frenzy that Brazil are definitely going to have in this match. And whether, Brazil can, whether Germany can stand up to that, that's going to be the big question you have to ask in the semifinal. All
0: right, James Young joins us to talk more about Brazil and Neymar in particular. James, you wrote about him for Sports Illustrated. Good to talk to you, first of all. Thanks for taking the call.
1: No problem. Thanks, Owen. My pleasure.
0: I hope you've been enjoying the World Cup along with the rest of us. We we have already been chatting a bit about the quite a bit about the reaction to Neymar's injury in Brazil, and uh, you wrote a very interesting piece, as I mentioned there for Sports Illustrated. But just first of all, the reaction to what's happened uh, within a sporting context—it clearly is a huge deal. But could it be argued that there's been something of an overreaction in Brazil?
1: Uh, I think so, possibly. Yeah, you, you could almost kind of describe it as a, a JFK Mar the uh the kind of where were you moment when when Neymar got injured because uh it's all everyone seems to be talking about he's a, he's got a huge profile in Brazil anyway he's on on commercials every 5 seconds you can't turn on your your television without uh without seeing him he's kind of the the, the pinup boy of, of, of Brazilian football um and and also of course they're their they're, they're chief attacking talent some might say their only attacking talent there is already this huge pressure to 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 win the World Cup, to win the, the the HEXA, which, as they describe it here, the sixth World Cup title, 200 million people pouring all this pressure down on the team. All that pressure seems to land on Neymar's shoulders. So the reaction was was, was fairly hysterical, you know, uh, from, I think, everyone from Usain Bolt to, to Kobe Bryant outside Brazil, Gisele binchin the, the, the president, Dilma Rousseff, uh, every soap star or, or, or TV star you care to mention, everyone was sending these messages of, uh, of support some some fairly uh, hostile messages towards uh, Zoniga as well you have to say so I, I could kind of without exaggerating it too much I could kind of air of almost almost national mourning briefly it seems seems to be passing a little bit as people address the uh, what to do against Germany but um yeah for 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 the last few days it's been been a fairly fairly sombre mood.
0: Yeah, and it's probably it's understandable in a way. I mean, there's no point being uh, you know jumping to judgment or anything like that. I'm sure. Well, we've we've had our own World Cup um, disasters here in the past, and we've been pretty hysterical about them as well. So it's probably in some way understandable. But what is, what is interesting about your piece in Sports Illustrated was not just about the football element. And I mean, that clearly, if Neymar could be a, a a personality less drone, and I'm sure if he still had uh, the ability to win the World Cup, he'd still be a big name. But you make the point, and there's a quote here, Neymar, Neymar represents Brazil in a way that no current member of the Brazilian soccer team, and not that many from the past either, represent Brazil. How did you come to that conclusion?
1: Well, well I think this this is another part of the, a huge part of the pressure that, that, that lands on Brazil. I'm sure we we can all remember the, depending how far back you go, going back to Pelé and Gahinsha, but even more recently as, as it was the last great the, the expression people use over here is football, archie, football as as art. The last great proponents of that 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 concept I think were, were probably the nineteen eighty two team with Zico Falcon, Weair, Socrates. where were the, the team almost seemed to walk around the pitch. It was all about making the ball move from player to player. Uh, wonderful, wonderful skill and individual ability that the, the idea was to to put on a show as well as as well as win. That that's the Brazilian culture. That that's the, the lineage that's come all the way through from from go, going going right back to people people like ahinchen and, and even before. And that's the added pressure that's on Brazil. It's it's never been enough just to win. There's this idea that you have to win like Ronaldinho Gaúcho won. You have to win like like Rivaldo won. You have to play like like, like Ronaldo, Ronaldo phenomenon. As we know in recent World Cups in in in, in recent decades that that concept has has died a little bit and this team in particular it's it's a fairly it's a fairly uh sturdy but uh, but not necessarily uh not necessarily um flamboyant yeah. bunch, as, as i think everyone's everyone's noticed a lot of hard tackling a lot of hard working a lot of running a lot of adrenaline but not none of the magic, none of the, uh, the, the 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 football as art concept that we talked about, the the the, the old cliche jogo bonito. It, it is arguably a cliche because modern football is not like that anymore. Brazil were never quite as much like that as people thought. But Brazilians want to win and, and to play in a beautiful way and to impress people and to make people gasp. That's that's what the fans expect. They love the showmanship. So they want to win, but there's also the pressure that you have to win it. With some kind of style, and Neymar represents that. I think he's the only, perhaps the only player in on the team who brings that maverick touch, who brings that that elegance, that 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 that, that the dribbles, the the the, the little uh, yeah. rascally, almost kind of uh, movements. You know that that make people that surprise people.
0: Well, the fans are going to have to get used to the idea of trying to win it without all of that. You mentioned the word flamboyance. I mean, I'd say Neymar mm-hmm. must bring probably about eighty or ninety percent of the flamboyance that the team had. We, we were expecting more from Oscar. It hasn't really happened. I suppose Hulk has his own muscular style of flamboyance and he's performed uh, in patches well in the tournament but they just uh, the rest of them haven't really delivered at this stage are the Brazilian fans just going to have to suck it up really they're they're just going to have to accept that um, that this team even if if it it didn't have a huge amount going for it in terms of style anyway and now let's just forget about it and if we have to brutalise our way to the championship we'll do it
1: I think so I think as we all know and this is not just a Brazilian concept I think as, as we all know winning covers over a lot of cracks so if they win, I don't think they will, they'll, they'll, they'll carry a jot that they, they didn't win it with style or, 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 or in, a, in any kind of beauty. Do they care and about think, what, sorry, uh,
0: James, but do they care about what the world thinks in any way, because people watch them they're, I, I find those Brazilian games exciting to watch just for the atmosphere alone and the emotion that the Brazilian players are playing. But do Brazilian supporters care at all that they're not transmitting a particularly positive image of their game um, to the world?
1: I I think this this is another fascinating aspect of the of the 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 atmosphere around the Brazilian team at the moment. Scolari creates this great air of uh of almost almost using paranoia as a positive sense. He talks a lot about the media, talks a lot about the referees, Talk there's lots of talk about conspiracies both from Scolari and uh, Carlos Alberto Pajera, his uh, the, the technical director that the that, that FIFA don't want Brazil to win the World Cup. Uh, and, he, and he mentions um, quite regularly, he mentions the foreign press, like this kind of mysterious entity called the foreign press that are all against Brazil. So he creates this kind of bulletproof atmosphere around his team by by this them and us mentality, if you like, by, by talking about all these these mysterious enemies. As I say, one of those is the foreign press. The, the Brazil, Brazil has an interesting relationship with the world. Brazilians are very friendly. But at the same time, you hear the word, and I use this in my article, you hear the word uh, gringo all the time. It's It's very much brazilians and non-brazilians so I, I suppose the short answer is no they they, they don't care in the slightest about uh, what, what 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 foreigners what foreigners think and i think they there's almost uh, almost kind of it's us against the foreigners to a certain extent not 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 i don't want to put, to over egg it a little bit but a bit too much but there is that kind of idea of uh yeah us against the world if you like
0: has Neymar's injury though given maybe the squad a get out of jail free card here because we all shudder to think what the reaction would have been had for example Neymar missed his penalty in a shootout against Chile and if they'd gone on to lose that one but now he's got a free pass anyway he's injured there's nothing he can do uh, the crazy pressure on him specifically has ended and maybe the if they were to lose certainly if they were to lose in a uh, heroic manner in the semi-final against Germany maybe they'd be cut a certain amount of slack by the Brazilian fans
1: I think so. I think so. Toss down, the, the great 1970 World Cup winner mentioned that in his, his newspaper column this week. He said uh, Neymar's injury has given Brazil a convenient excuse to, to, to lose because before that the only option was winning. Anything, anything less than winning would, would, be a, would be a disaster on, on home turf with, with all these, these new stadiums and, and 200 million people kind of cheering them on the The injury kind of it changes the, the narrative a little bit. Now Brazil or especially with Thiago Silva suspended as well as well. Brazil were pre- previously the team that had to win that had to be had to be the best. Now they've become the plucky underdogs, the the, the David against the Goliath. So that, that that changes the narrative. and I wonder how that will, will affect them psychologically and how that will affect their their their, their uh, performance on the pitch because they're not the favorites against Germany if you look at it rationally. You know home advantage is a huge factor and will help. But yeah, I, I wonder, is, I'm sure they would never admit this, I'm sure it's not true, but I wonder are there's some members of the coaching staff who are going, well, actually, <laughs> if we lose now, we can come out with our, our heads held high instead of being uh, being you know, pelted with tomatoes at the airport.
0: Yeah, we could actually remain living in Brazil uh, rather than having to exactly. m- move abroad yeah. for the rest of our lives. But uh, do you reckon that they will, despite what you say by Germany logically being favourites, do you reckon Brazil will find a way? And if so, how? Who's going to be the star that will emerge to replace Neymar?
1: Well, it's become this, this World Cup, I don't know what you think, but, but certainly for me watching Brazil up close, it's become this, this, this uh, incredible kind of Hollywood, uh, Hollywood uh, drama, if you like. They, they did, uh, just to give you an idea, they did before the, um, before the World Cup started, the, the, the national TV channel Globo did this, this profile of all the players, every single story was about a player overcoming tremendous difficulty. Some of them had difficult lives, of course. Daniel Alves grew up in a, in, in a very, in, in the south town, it's called the sort of parched inland of, of uh, Bahia. Some of them admittedly had difficult lives, but every single ex- excerpt was, was like the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> you know, you see these, these swooping strings, and then every single clip also had to have someone crying. You know, a family member would be poked with a stick and told to cry immediately because we had to, to, to up the drama. So, and as you've seen in each game, each game with with the tears before the um before the whistle, the tears during the anthem. Thiago Silva was crying in the tunnel against Croatia. Julio Cesar was crying before and after the penalties. This, 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 this almost almost over the top kind of Hollywood drama that we have with with so much emotion, and and all their their their, their performances have been. Emotional and, and, and passionate and adrenaline based, rather than than clear headed and 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 organized. I think. So it's going to be the same again. On paper, it's very hard to see them beating Germany with their their their, their two best players. Germany Germany are a team that that maybe haven't uh, caught the eye. Maybe haven't amazed people, impressed people too much. But they 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 know, they know how to win. They know what know know what they need to do. Um. If Brazil are to win, apart from the the the, the emotional factor and the, the the David versus Goliath kind of narrative, um, who would do it? Like you say, I think Hulk's been been quite a mm. quite a powerful presence. I think on the wing, uh, they're they're talking about William. William seems to be the favourite to get the the nod for the Neymar position. He might bring something interesting because Neymar has a has a little bit of a an issue where if things aren't going well, he'll he'll try and do it all on his own. Possibly because he 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 only has Fred for help, so you kind of have to do it on your own. But with William, he's more of a team player. He's, he's not going to go on Neymar kind of style dribbles and try and beat three or four players. He's he's going to maybe bring players into the game a little bit, pass the ball a little bit more, so that the team might be uh, might benefit from that a little bit. Oscar Oscar needs to, to certainly to step up if Braziler to win. Um Bernard, who might be an interesting, interesting. Uh, Addition, sort of, at some stage during during the game, he's. A, I'm sure you've seen him. At yeah. uh, some stage, he's the the little winger from from Shakhtar Donetsk who played played so well here for Atlético Mineiro in in Belo Horizonte. So he'll be kind of a hometown hero if if he comes on, which which will again pump the adrenaline up even further. So, yeah, on it, on on paper, it should be Germany, but but it's been a very improbable World Cup. So so who knows?
0: Yeah, there are options there for Brazil, at least. Isn't James Young? Thanks very much.
1: Cheers, Alan.
3: You can see your expectancy. A Coach, this is the game you wanted a victory, but it didn't have happen. a happened?
2: Oh. Pepe's such an idiot. A game that they've been looking forward to for a long time.
3: Where do you where do you think you got it all wrong today?
2: And then Pepe just ruins it for everyone. Thanks a lot, Pepe. Shut up. You can see the level of expectancy. The name they were saying you'll take that penalty, he was fucking dreading it. Sorry, yeah. we're, we're not out here. Out of here. Oh, we're not, we? We are. Huh? Well, I apologise for that, but obviously, I'm <laughs> sorry. It didn't exactly
3: go to plan. All right.
0: Alright, we'll move on, Ken, to the second semi-final Wednesday night, Holland against Argentina. To use probably the greatest um, greatest football cliche ever maybe, Ken, you believe that Argentina's name is on the cup?
2: <laughs> well, <clears throat> I just thought um, that uh, at the end of that match, the so they eventually beat Belgium in, in what's really quite a boring match, and Belgium did a bit of a France on it. They, they I don't think they really showed what they were what they were capable of. Although not that you'd know that from listening to Mark Wilmot. Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem to be a particularly popular coach with his own media, which doesn't necessarily tell you much. I mean, there's obviously a couple of instances along the way, but stuff he was saying about Argentina I thought was was uh, crazy for a guy who'd just been beaten. Um, I mean, he was moaning about their their... Time wasting and stuff, which at the same time you're like, yeah, Wilmot this is this is football, you know. Welcome to the World Cup. I would have thought you knew a thing or two about it. You've been to four. He was the four World Cups as a player, and here he is moaning and crying about Argentina when they're leading in a match late on. <laughs> Suddenly, don't seem to be in a rush to get the ball back on the field at throw-ins. Well, will stop kicking the ball out of play like idiots. You know, you got to keep the ball in play. That's what. Our, that, it's not Argentina's job to make it easy for you. Wilmot says. So they distort the rhythm of the game. Um, it, t- it takes them thirty seconds to take a throw-in, and the referee does nothing about it. Well, that, that's you know, welcome to real life. Um, we're not impressed by the Argentinians. They're just an ordinary team. It's not a missed opportunity. Do you think Argentina played a good match? Um, it says uh, you know, it says Wilmot. And You're thinking this is not really your. This is not. Your, if we'd play this way, we'd have been <clears throat> we'd have been destroyed by the Belgian press. Uh, says Wilmots Well, I'm not quite sure what way Belgium thought they were playing because I thought it was embarrassing. I thought the, the, the last 10 minutes particularly were disgrace. I mean, all we've read about Belgium is how they've managed to uh, completely revolutionise their approach to, uh, to youth football. You know, they've been hammering this uh, technique, uh, principles of technique into their players from an early age. And this is how their sort of football system has taken a great deal of credit or has been assigned a great deal of credit by the world's media um for producing this great generation of players or, you know, a generation of, of, of pretty handy players, which were part of the reason everyone was saying, yeah, you know, Belgium, Belgium, they can have a good World Cup. And what do we see from them in the last 10 minutes? Stick it in the mixer. Get Van Bouten up there, get Fellaini up there and put the ball up to those, to, to, to the two big lads and they'll see. we'll see if we can get it on the noggin down to someone. Now, that's an embarrassment. That is, that's is—that's an embarrassment. If he's not crucified by the Belgian press for that, I'd be pretty surprised. Because this is a team I thought there—I thought the whole thing was going to be 4-3-3, you know, total technique. You know, no one ever has to take more than two touches. Um, that's the Belgians are completely at home with the ball. They've got that intimacy with the ball. Well, no, they were just booting it up to a... To, it was like when we used to have Niall Quinn and Tony Cascarino on the field. That was what Belgium were reduced to. So that, to me, that was embarrassing.
0: What convinces you that Argentina have shown enough that they're going to romp through the last two games.
2: Well, I suppose the question would have to be now, how bad is this injury to Di Maria? Mm. Because he is such, he's one of their big players. Now, they got through most of that game without him because the injury that, that, that happened, which looked like a tight strain, uh, happened early in the match. Uh, well, after about 35 minutes, uh, by which time, yeah, they were already leading and they managed to get through. But this was... Uh, you know, I'm not sure... Um, I think the, the end, the, the very end, when they won the match and you saw them all go over to their fans and it just looked like a very happy kind of confident camp. I'm, I'm probably reading a lot into what I saw um, just from the, the attitude that they had at the end. But it seemed like this is a team that is feeling pretty good about its chances of, of winning the World Cup now. Messi is obviously playing brilliantly. I mean, he was fantastic again. Uh, I thought he was amazing. I mean, the, the past... When, when the really got injured, uh, chasing that pass, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. There was another one where he won a free kick on the edge of Belgium's box, going past, dribbling past three Belgian guys in, inside one meter. It was unbelievable. I mean, he's so he's playing really well, and if they've got that, nobody else can touch. Uh, nobody else can touch that. You know, if if he's going to do that in each game. This is going to be a very difficult team to beat. And you saw their attitude at the end. I mean, it was so different from Brazil. You saw Brazil, <coughs> excuse me, Brazil at the end of their match against Colombia when they um, finished and they flopped to the ground. They were exhausted. You know, it looked like they couldn't, it was nervous exhaustion throughout the whole team. Argentina just looked delighted. And they were all singing this offensive song that they have about Brazil. Um, the players and the fans and the players are singing that song in the dressing room now. Everybody yeah, what is just that seems, song, Ken? What's the song? Yeah. It's, you know, Bad Moon Rising by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah, yeah. Um, They've essentially adopted that song with a bunch of uh, offensive lyrics about the Brazilians. Um, And it starts off by saying, Brazil, tell me how it feels to have your daddy in the house. Your daddy obviously being Argentina. He's Mm -hmm. now going to slap them around a bit. And uh, it, it it goes through a bunch of uh, past instances, Maradona and Kinesia and what they did, and how it's going to be the same with Messi this time. And finishes off, I think, by saying, "Yeah, uh, and Maradona was better than Pele." And it goes on and on and on. <laughs> they just, they just did, I, did I ever tell
3: singing. you about my my Creedence Clearwater revival story, Ken? You know when people think, hear, cre- so. you know when people hear. Uh, anyone mentioned credence, they automatically think of the Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. When you're, you know, yeah. Lebowski's car gets stolen and he loses, he asks the cops about his credence tapes. Well, my car was actually broken into uh, last year, and uh, one of the things that was taken was my entire CD collection that was in the car. But they actually threw back the best <laughs> of the <laughs> of the credence Clearwater revival. Uh, for no other reason other than that, the, the mere thought of robbing that, even robbing it, was offensive to them. So I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe the robbers—I well, can definitely rule out Argentinians uh, as yeah, huge fans of huge, huge fans of Credence. Right, okay, fair enough.
2: Yeah, well, I, I probably would have, would have stolen that if I'd been the one who sold your stuff. I, I don't think I would have thrown, been throwing that particular one back. Um, everyone's listening to that over here now. It's a—it's almost a Credence Clearwater revival.
0: <laughs> Di <laughs> Maria right, there'll right. be no there'll be no revival for Di Maria in the semi-final don't give me that grimace
3: well okay I'll give your uh, your idea some credence then oh uh, no oh, see, what, see what see you
0: started see we're becoming bedraggled okay. <laughs> everything's going horribly wrong um, but Di Maria is out of the semi-final that's the news today they're going to monitor him monitor him for the final or the third and fourth place playoff whatever match comes first for them it doesn't matter Ken. it doesn't matter who they have they could they can have Messi playing at the top of their game, but they're playing against Louis Van Gaal. They're not really playing against Holland. I mean, they're you know a bunch of chess pieces there, and um, that Louis Van Gaal is shifting around ingeniously, and um, wh- whatever way he's going to make it work, this coaching genius will make it work.
2: Yes. Uh, well, I mean, what a what a masterstroke by Louis Van, van Gaal uh, putting on Tim Krul, and it's one, it's one of those great masterstrokes because um, it's one of those things where there's. Almost no downside risk, really. You put on this guy, if he lets in all the penalties, pff, well, that's pretty much what you expect a goalkeeper to do. Um, if he saves a couple, I mean, particularly the way that he saves it, in fairness, it was pretty impressive. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that um, there's a kind of a photo going around showing Tim Crewe's behavior. At the, obviously, you know, everyone was impressed with every aspect of his behavior. It was a little bit obnoxious. But uh, for each Costa Rica penalty taker, he, the, even the way that he was walking around, he guessed right, obviously, for each penalty. But before each penalty, he was walking around to one side of his goal. And it was always the opposite side to the side that he dived at. So, for instance, if he was going to be diving left, he would be walking around, as to his left, he would be walking around on his right of the goal, sort of walking around before the penalty was taken. And this was the pattern for each penalty. And it's quite remarkable. I mean, it was as though he knew... Well he clearly had an no idea what he was gonna do, and he moved before each penalty, so he you know, he got it right on each occasion.
0: Yeah, apparently he's um, been he was say, he, he's been saying over the last day or so that he has been studying the penalties. That's kind of the job that was given to him by Van Hal a number of weeks ago to just study everybody's penalties, or certainly a number of days ago, and he knew he says he knew exactly where each player was gonna put it, and he told each player that he knew where they were gonna put it and he's within his rights to Okay, he act like a bit of a I don't I don't know what you want to call it. It's hard to this is a family show, Ken. It's hard to yeah. describe accurately what way he was acting, but uh, not in a very uh, sportsman-like manner. He says, well, what? I don't think you can even understand why some of us would be critical of him for doing that. He said, look, I was getting in their heads, and I made the saves.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, I mean, he was he was really bigging himself up, actually, wasn't he? I thought, he, I thought his tone was quite boastful afterwards. Um but you know, I suppose he, he, he can enjoy his moments, and maybe there'll be another one of those yet. Although I saw Roberto Martinez making an interesting point, um, he, he, you know, he's writing a column in the Times or, or maybe it's the Sunday Times. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. He makes the point that um, I think it's the last twelve penalty shootouts in the World Cup. The side that's won the penalty shootout has immediately gone on to lose the next game. Eleven out of those, eleven out of twelve times. The exception being Brazil. Uh, Brazil, who beat Chile on penalties and then managed to win their next match. So Martínez is saying it's something which clearly seems to take a lot out of the team, uh, the team that wins. Uh, you know, they've, they've gone through the the ringer physically and emotionally, and by the time they get to the next game, they seem to be all washed up, and so Holland are going to have um, to overcome that pattern. I've got to say, uh, based on the 120 minutes before the penalties, it wasn't impressive from Holland. I mean, we were talking... Uh, Earlier about Van Persie and his remarkable uh, fitness or sharpness uh, in the Spain match, Um, well, he seems to have run out of steam. I mean, based on the uh, the cross, he he obviously got subbed off uh, in the previous match against Mexico, which, in fairness, I think was in special conditions. I mean, the the ridiculously hot conditions on uh, on a a pitch level, Uh, but you know, again, he, he looked he looked pretty sluggish, and the only player who's carrying. Holland on his shoulders is Iron Robin, the most amazing physical dynamo in the history of the sport. And um, the more tired he gets, the faster he runs. Uh, I've never seen a player uh, who actually seems to thrive on fatigue in the in the manner of the thirty-year-old Iron Robin. It's it's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, uh, in extra time, you know, he's still bursting past uh, players. He was still terrorizing the Costa Rica defense. He was the only Dutch player who appeared to be capable of running. And he's running faster than I've ever seen in his career. So, uh, boo the bus to uh, Aaron Robin Robin uh, for the shape that he's managed to get himself I in. I do
0: find that uh, the credit Van has been given is a little over the top. And people in this neck of the woods remember Sligo Rovers in the FAI Cup a few years back, uh, bringing on a goalkeeper, Kieran Kelly for that exact purpose uh, so it's not the first time it's been done it also seems to me I know it's easy to say after the event but kind of an obvious enough thing to do Sillison has never saved a penalty in his career apparently and mm. I, I, I would question why they were taking the penalties by Costa Rica if Van Hal is uh, you know in such amazing coaching form but maybe I'm just being a little bit churdish Can we're all getting frayed around the edges at this well, stage Well maybe, Ga-
2: maybe Van Gaal maybe Van Gaal wanted them to get the penalties mm. maybe that was all the part of the plan I, I, yeah. you know, I don't know I mean it's it was a good it, it you know, obviously, the Costa Rica. I mean, remember Costa Rica were very good in penalties against um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Greece. Greece. I mean, they nailed nailed all their penalties. So maybe they're thinking, mm, especially this guy is getting in their face and telling them that he knows what what they're going to do and all this kind of stuff. And then he clearly does. Mm, maybe that starts to prey on their mind a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think it's one of those things where it, it's it's a good thing for Andrew too. The, the only downside about doing it is that you obviously have just you, you go through two hours without making all three substitutions. But I suppose for a squad like Holland, who are really so dependent on their three top players... um, The other downside is
0: that if Jasper Sillison, their first choice goalkeeper, has a penalty to face in the semi-final, he might be feeling too confident in his ability to stop that, given that his manager doesn't think that he's going to do it. And a lot of people thought or assumed maybe that Sillison was in on the plan because he was celebrating with the rest of the players at full time. He didn't look too annoyed, but he has said since, I had no, no idea. And in fact, he said that when he came off the field, he was so annoyed, he kicked a water bottle and soaked one of the substitutes sitting there by accident and was re- really thick and then realised he had to get his head in order pretty quickly. But he had no idea at all. So that's the other possible bit of collateral damage there.
2: Well, I wouldn't say so. I mean, if if, if he does face a penalty, <clears throat> excuse me, if he does face a penalty, he's probably going to let it in anyway. Um, so there's not really that much of a, of a cost there. And he may have this idea of, uh, you know, I really want to... Um, to show Louis van Gaal that I'm not the penalty weakling he uh, <clears throat> he clearly takes me for. So uh, maybe it will be a, a genius piece of motivation by van Gaal. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Sillison will will uh, unleash the giant within. I, I don't know. I mean, van Gaal is a very good manager. I think, I think we've kind of been saying that all along. I mean, he's done – he's come up with different ideas for the team. I mean, okay, the – Nil-nil against Costa Rica maybe isn't all that exp- uh, impressive a result on the face of it. But he does have a, a slightly tired team himself. Costa Rica are not a bad side at all. Um, you know, it's not... A, I mean, the big test now is the, is the Argentine. You know, what What's he going to do about Lionel Messi? Is he going to come up with something that no one else has been able to... Uh, no one else has been able to think of? Um, if he has, I don't think anyone will be begrudging him the credit.
0: Okay, time now. This was a little bit, as you said earlier, Ken, this was a little bit... Mm, this a, bit a malfunction in this last week but I'm sure we've got it uh, dusted down and it's gonna work just fine right now. Ken Early's World Cup Crystal Ball.
2: And that is why Maradona is the greatest player in the world. He buried the Well, I see uh, it's not even a thing, Owen. It's not so much a thing. It's a color. And the color is... Vermilio. Vermilio. Catao uh, That's what I see, Owen, in these semifinals. FIFA is nothing uh, if not responsive to the demands of uh, of the citizens of this great uh, football Uh, world, the the members of this football family and what the members of the football family want is for the referees to start clamping down on excessive foul play, which is why I wouldn't be hugely surprised to see a German or possibly a Dutch player sent off at some (laughs) point in these World Cup semi-finals Uh, so red card to be produced by the referee at some point, Cartago Vermelho, something to be sent off just so FIFA can uh, point out that they haven't haven't just completely let the lunatics take over these time. There is still law out there in this football world and someone's going to suffer, probably Germany.
0: Oh, I think you're onto something, Ken. The crystal ball is back, f- fully functional now at a very opportune time. Listen, we're going to leave it there. You're going to Belo Horizonte for the Brazil game.
2: Going to Belo Horizonte for the Brazil semi, yeah. Won't get to the other one, but um, we will talk to you yeah, I think this one, this one's going to be real, uh, real hysterical stuff. I'm looking forward to getting into that stadium and weeping with all the other people in that stadium, <laughs> whoever they are, German and Brazilian. We'll, Everyone's going to be crying. It's going to be great.
0: We'll talk to a weeping Ken Early from Belo Horizonte tomorrow. Uh, we do have the World Cup shows every day, Monday to Thursday this week. Uh, we've also got a first show already out today, and that features. Largely. A bit of Wimbledon chat, but also a huge weekend in the Championship. So do have a listen to that, all the usual ways. You can follow us on Twitter as well at Second Captains, uh, facebook.com forward slash Second Captains. So uh, do get in touch if you can. That's pretty much it. Thank you very much, Kieran.
2: Thank you, Owen. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you, Owen. And thank you, Kieran.
0: Thank you, Ken. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later on. How's <laughs> the That's the
1: second time it's gone off. Oh. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home.